our communion homily today, we examine a few verses from Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the Bible. This is a song of wisdom that celebrates God's law, God's holy scripture. Wisdom is what believers seek from the Lord because we know that it's necessary for life. Each day we pray for wisdom so that we might know how to navigate the journey that we're on, our relationships, our challenges, the decisions that we daily have to make, the world around us, the next steps we should take. Circumstances are always shifting, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Scripture keeps us anchored to the Lord Almighty. Psalm 119 is an alphabetical acrostic poem. It has 176 verses, which are divided into 22 stanzas, corresponding to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It goes from Aleph to Tav, which would be from Alpha to Omega in Greek, or A to Z in English. What we study today is the 17th letter of the alphabet, Fe, which means mouth. The psalm is approximately the same length as the books of Ruth, James, or Philippians. John Calvin preached 22 sermons on it. There have been numerous devotionals, commentaries, pieces of music, books, podcasts, blogs, written about this psalm. Many people have been captured by its beauty and they've memorized it, not just as a way of simply understanding the truth, but to gain strength and understanding from God himself. As I read the scripture today, I want you to pay attention to the tone of the words. What do you hear? from the writer's heart and mind. Psalm 119, verses 129 to 136. Your decrees are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to the simple. With an open mouth I pant, because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your custom toward those who love your name. Keep my steps steady according to your promise, and never let iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from human oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant, and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because your law is not kept. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We realize when we read these words that they are more than a poem. They are a prayer directly to God. The writer is expressing the centrality of God's word for their everyday life 
the decrees, the commandments, the precepts, the statutes, the promises are not just sufficient for what they need, they are necessary for us to stay alive in God. Psalm 119 is not the writer telling us how much we should revere the word of the Lord. Rather, it's a testimony of how much the psalmist has come to love the scriptures and their love inspires us to seek them more. When you listen to the words, what tone did you hear from the writer? I heard sincerity, commitment, longing, familiarity, trust, love. These same ideas are repeated through all 176 verses. This is not a drawn out linear argument. It is a looping, repetitive meditation as the author seeks to know Yahweh and keeps coming back to the same place more and more through God's revelation. Repetition is one of the key ways our minds soak in truth. Repetition is how we can remember the truths God gives us to know. What we see in Psalm 119 is that knowing God through his word has become second nature for the writer. Let us look briefly at each verse, asking God to remind us who he is. 129 says, your decrees are wonderful. We stop and we think about this. Do we really believe that God's decrees are wonderful? We ourselves right now are under a lot of restrictions and guidelines from our various leaders. We don't always appreciate it when we have to adhere to a decree from an authority. But what about when God gives us an order? Do we listen then? Do we readily obey it? The writer says God's decrees are wonderful, so his soul keeps them. We have to consider if we treat all of God's mandates to us with reverence or if we hear them and respond with frustration or complaining or ignoring them. We are meant to follow God in a different way than we follow our human leaders. But we have to be mindful of our attitudes. God is the ultimate authority in our lives. One thirty. The unfolding of your word gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Think about a scroll with scripture verses on it. As you unfold that scroll, the words give light. What does that illumination look like? Tiny fairy lights, fireflies, a flashlight pointing in a certain direction, a spotlight pointed on our faces. Where has God's truth given you light for your way recently? God is so vast in his ways, yet he makes his truth easily understandable for us. 131. With an open mouth I pant because I long for your commandments. 
This is a picture of someone who is very thirsty. They need to be refreshed. They need to be filled. Is it because they're parched or because they know how good God's word is and they just long for more and more of it? It causes us to think about what we long for each day. I've been pondering that if everything was stripped away from my life, except for the time that I spend with the Lord, what would that look like? What would my calendar look like? How much time do I take in God's word compared to everything else I do? We have so many longings. My prayer is that we would all long for more of God's refreshment in our daily lives. 132. Turn to me and, to be, and be gracious to me, as is your custom to those who love your name. When we approach the table of communion, we recognize that we come only through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We do not enter God's presence puffed up with pride, believing that we are good enough or that we get to be there. All of us are welcomed and invited to eat the free bread and drink the wine freely given at no cost because we are invited by the Lord. He has paid for all who will join him. As we approach, what is it that we need grace for in our lives today? What confession of sin do we make before our holy and perfect God? 133. Keep my steps steady according to your promise, and never let iniquity have dominion over me. God is the only one that has power over the sin that corrupts our hearts and minds. It is only through him that we are set free. He promises to make our path straight when we turn to him in full trust, and then we freely give dominion over our lives when we call him Lord glad to be out of the yoke of evil. 134. Redeem me from human oppression. Eugene Peterson says, says it this way, rescue me from the grip of bad people. Human oppression is real. It's economic. It's relational. It is found in institutions and structures and in the home. The writer asks for rescue. How many prayers have we uttered to be released from something that binds us unfairly? As we are rescued, may we use our freedom to help others. 135. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Again, there is light. God teaches us. God longs to teach us. Are we teachable to who he is? God shines his truth on us and we are able to live. 136. My eyes shed streams of tears because your law is not kept. We often cry and cry out when our lives are not good. How do we mourn, though, for those who are lost, for those who are far from the Lord? Wickedness grieves the heart of God, 
the ways that we are broken, the ways that we struggle, cause him to cry and weep with us. It breaks his heart when his children are hurting, when we are far from him. The writer is identifying with God for when the law is kept. Here's what the psalmist thinks of the word. It is wonderful. It gives light. It gives understanding to all people. It quenches the soul. It keeps the steps of those who are steady. It keeps us from sin. It is the way we see God. It is central to human existence. As we remember the Lord's sacrifice today, we bring these reflections from the psalm with us. When we think again about the words we use to describe the author's tone, we realize we are describing their heart toward God. Sincerity, commitment, longing, familiarity, trust, love. Because God has given everything. And because the psalmist has received what was offered, they express their heart freely. They are vulnerable. They are open. They are transparent to God. The Lord has given us what we need to stay alive in him. So what is the tone of your heart as you approach the table today? What truths have kept you alive in him lately? This is a psalm of repetition. Communion is an act of repetition. God has us learn the same message. God has us repeat the same actions and the same exercises because we need that for our hearts and minds to stay in him. He has us come to the table because each time we do, he meets us in a transformative moment that fills our souls, that gives us bread for the journey that we need to go on. God created the heavens and the earth by his word. We are saved by the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. And it is by his word that we are kept alive. Today, we have chosen the scriptural communion to remember the story of God that has led us to this moment. Let us read the liturgy together as we come with open hearts to the table of communion. This is the invitation from the book of Hebrews. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast 
to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. Let us read the call to love together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let us say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For I handed on to you, as of first importance, what I in turn had received from Christ, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. When the hour came, he took his place at the table, and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, 
and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Together. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. Amen. As you take the elements today, I encourage you to take a moment with the Lord. I ask you to close your eyes and do what the psalmist has done, to meditate on a truth about God that you know from the scriptures, and then to offer a prayer before you take the elements, before you take Jesus's body and blood given for you. You see, God's truth causes us to reflect on who he is and who we are in him, to give thanksgiving and then to draw close and to talk with him and to offer ourselves as he has offered himself for us. What is it this morning, today, that you need from the Lord? What is it that you would ask of him or tell him or confess to him because of the Lord, the word that is implanted deeply in your heart? And then as you pray, receive the wisdom, receive the forgiveness, receive the very presence of the living God through these elements. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.